Hello everyone, welcome back to Just One More Opinion. My name is Charlie and this is the very first episode in which I talk about a game. Not a movie, not a TV show and not something that is Marvel related. Instead, today's episode will focus on Assassin's Creed Valhalla, the last installment in the AC game franchise, which was initially released on November the 10th exactly two months ago and after finally finishing the main story and exploring lots of the world I am ready to review it. So let us begin. Okay, before I get started I would like to say three things. First, it has taken me this long to finish the game because last month I started this podcast. And I was pretty busy with it, which didn't allow me to get to the end game of Valhalla sooner. Thankfully, I did finish the story just before the two-month frontier, so I thought that this episode could still feel, could still be fresh as I analyzed the game after so many hours immersed in this in this universe in this world. Uh, and that's the second thing I wanted to say right now. I have played over 100 hours of AC Valhalla. I know, I know, that's way too many hours, I know. Don't judge me, please. (laughs) Um, I'm kidding, please do judge me, go ahead. Um, But just know that apart from Marvel stuff, gaming is the second huge part of my life, of the things that I enjoy to do in my free time. And since 2012, when Assassin's Creed 3 was released, I have been a passionate gamer and fan of this franchise, and I have explored many of the greatest video games of the last decade. I just love how games offer me escapism and this immersive experience where I feel so relaxed and not worried about the stress I usually feel in the real world. So, just have that in mind while I discuss this game that kept me hooked for this long, at least for the most part. And thirdly, at the end of the episode I will be talking spoilers, so keep an ear out or open for that section. Now, I wanted to share my overall perspective on the game before I review each aspect of Valhalla. And I want to do this now, just so you have an idea of my feelings toward the entire game as I get into specifics. So what do I think about Assassin's Creed Valhalla? Well, it is much better than its predecessor, AC Odyssey, that's for sure. And one of the better games in the franchise, in my opinion, without being one of the better AC games in the franchise. There's a difference there, and I'll explain later. I, I just love the character of Eivor, I think they're really well written and the world of 9th century England and Norway is just so big and exploring everything just lends such freedom to the players. That is why I played so much of the game, I just kept on getting distracted from the main story by the world events and hidden locations, it, it really got me hooked in that regard. The gameplay is fine, I'll go over that later on, but I still do not appreciate the inclination towards RPG combat and progression, and less so on the 
Assassin's Creed lore that was established in the very first game and a few consequent others, I just... I, I get that this is mostly the story of a Viking learning about the Creed. That's fair. But the franchise has been stepping away from what made it different from other games for so long now. I just hope that the next AC installment takes us back to full Assassin's Creed territory with real Assassin playthrough, story and mechanisms. However, for what it was, Valhalla was a great gaming experience for me. The story was very enticing at some points, the characters were memorable enough, and the plot twists by the end left a permanent mark on the franchise, one that I wish to be further explored in the next game. If I had to give it a rating from 1 to 10, this would be a solid 8. If you're an AC fan that felt disappointed by Odyssey, trust me and give this one a go. But for players unfamiliar with the franchise, Valhalla is not a game-changing, um, well, game. <laughs> so you can skip this one easily because this is, a, this is, in a way, the culmination of all other 11 games that came before. And that is one of the reasons why I enjoyed it so much. But getting into specifics, let's start with Eivor our protagonist who can either be a male or a female, you get to choose, or you can even let the game choose for you. And there's a reason, there's even a reason why the character duality is there, which was really well written in my opinion. By the end you, you get why, why that happens, it's really cool. And for my playthrough, I chose to play as male Eivor for one reason and one reason only. The beard. I love beards, and if I can customize my beard in a game, uh, you should know I will do it all the time. Red Dead Redemption 2 gave me that chance with great depth, and I kept on trying new facial hair combos in that game, and here the options weren't as vast, which was a bummer, but being able to change the hair color allowed me to make my Eivor look as similar to me as I could. And again, there were a lot of options, but still, uh, that's why I chose to play it as male Eivor. But I do plan on playing as female Eivor in the future when I start the game, the game again. That might happen uh, in a couple of months, I don't know. It will depend on when I get a PS5, because I might explore Valhalla again um, in the next-gen console. Um, but of course, I won't be playing as much as I did now. Oh, by the way, I play this on the PS4. I do not own any Xbox consoles. I'm, I've been a PlayStation fan all my life, so there's that. But let's go back to Eivor. Easily one of the better AC protagonists. Eivor is a noble, wise and loyal Viking, a people's person, really, who develops their leadership as the story goes on. And their devotion to the clan really drives the plot forward and it's always in the back of your mind when you have a choice moment in the, in the main story because each decision will affect your people differently and I loved how how the clan was um, so connected to the principal plot into Haver himself. Speaking of the clan, some of the characters in your new home are quite impressionable and you get to know them better as your settlement 
evolves and so on. But the four characters I want to mention, apart from Eivor, are his brother Sigurd, Sigurd's wife Ranvi, the hidden one Bassam, and King Alfred of Wessex. I'll start with the latter because it's the one we interact the least with, but he plays a crucial part in the last act of the game, either way. And Alfred is not your average uh, antagonist. His ideals are somewhat a mystery throughout the game, but I wish we could have spent more time with him from the start of, the, of Valhalla, as we arrived at in England, because like I said, he's much more of a focal point in the last uh, 10 hours of the main story, I, I would say, and I really enjoyed what they did with the character, but I wanted to spend more time with him um, in the first two acts. Next, Ranvi is a key character in the game as she is the one organizing our alliance map where we choose our next path in the main story. And her relationship with Eivor is very layered and sweet. My only caveat with Ranvi is that she rarely leaves the alliance map room only for a mission or two and some cinematics. And I was hoping for more of, um, of an intervention in the planning of the missions rather than on the exposition of those same missions. Now for Bassem, one of the two hidden ones who arrive in Norway with um, Sigurd. He plays a surprisingly enormous role in the story, but not for the reasons you'd expect. I'll get into that a bit later. But I really liked the character model for Bassem. I thought it was as detailed as Eivor's, and it must it must look even better on the next gen consoles. And um, now I get why the the model was so was so complex. I'll get into that, like I said, in a bit. And finally, Sigurd, our brother from another mother and another father, uh, who stays in our minds throughout the game. And even if at times is really far away from our hero, he, yeah, you always have that idea of how, how does this affect my clan? Yes, but how does this affect my relationship with Sigurd? And he is um, a very complex character, deeply flawed, but with a good heart. By the end, you see the evolution of the character, which is, in my opinion, as great as Eivor's himself. But all the secondary characters in the game, all our allies in the different territories, have such a dense and intricate um, character arc, some of which shocked me, some of which kind of bore me, but all very different from each other. Which brings me to my next point, story and exploration. Like I said before, Ranvi is in charge of the Alliance map, which is where we freely decide where we go next. There is no linear path towards the end, and I thought this was a really nice addition, even though I am against having choice in a franchise that is about exploring past established events where things already happened in a certain way, but, but it was refreshing and it didn't really make that much of a difference in the progression or urgency of the main story. However, what did make a gigantic difference was the exploration itself. From raids to world events, from fighting, finding awesome gear to mysterious artifacts, there is a lot to do in Valhalla. And discovering it, discovering it as you go, if you choose to play the game in the least helpful way in terms of exploration, it's truly 
breathtaking as you come across surprising stories and secret boss fights while horse riding through green plains or snowy mountains. It's really cool. My only issue with this side content is that it doesn't really have side quests. It's only 10 minute max world events with some colorful and yet forgetful NPCs most of the time. And the collection of, the, of some artifacts felt a tad meaningless in the long run. And also the wealth you gather, which is either weapons, gear or material to upgrade those weapons and gear, can be either very exciting if there's a, a whole lot of baddies guarding the, um, the wealth or repetitive it's, if it's behind a blocked door or some rocks in need of explosion. I think it was great to create obstacles to these collectibles, but the formula was done multiple times and some of them I felt no thrill in getting to them after beating up five or six Saxons. Which takes me to two different aspects of the game that were revamped. Character progression and combat. It was said many, many times that AC Valhalla's combat would feel both crunchy and brutal. And I agree. I agree with both descriptions. You feel like a capable Viking warrior as you take out hordes of soldiers and as you get better in fighting the combat mechanisms get easier to grasp because at first it was quite tricky to get a hold of the controls you've got light light and heavy attacks parry and block a continuous left hand attack you've got dodge and r3 has at least four different applications you can lock onto a target you can stun attack or finish or finish um, perform a finisher on that on the target you can stomp on a fallen enemy and you can use the body as a trap all of which can be performed in battle not to mention that if you press and hold R3 you use your raven vision as well which only lasts for three seconds and doesn't really get longer than that with upgrades which I found a bit disappointing and you've also got a trusty bow can be a hunter, a predator, or a light bow. It will depend. The mechanisms are different for each. And it works not, not only as a ranged weapon, but as an opportunistic ally. Because one of the new combat features added uh, to the game, to Valhalla, is the existence of weak points on an enemy, which is perhaps my favorite introduction to the series. If you hit that weak point or points, on an enemy, you automatically stun them, allowing for a finisher to obliterate the poor scoundrels. And for the most part, these finishers were just nasty and brutal and awesome. I loved them. But they also happened sometimes when you would perform a normal finish, finishing blow to an enemy. So you, their health would be um, almost uh, gone. You would perform a light or heavy attack and then you'd see the finisher um, animation. So it got a bit repetitive after a couple dozen hours to see this, the same stuff over and over again. Even when I didn't perform a finisher move or a stun attack. And 
and yeah, so so it was a bit excessive at some points. But that's not all, folks. Not by a long shot. Abilities are back from the last two AC games. You have melee and range abilities, and most of them are are cool. They really give you an edge in in combat and make it much more fun than simply smashing R1 and R2 over again. But there was a percentage of them that were too OP, specifically with the bow, where you have an ability that is quite literally impossible to perform in real life. Even a quarter of that feels impossible. I have no idea what's the record for heroes shot at the same time, but Valhalla seems to be looking to virtually top that record. <laughs> anyway, some abilities are earned by collecting books of knowledge around the world, and others you get from from your skill tree, which was completely different from past AC titles. Now there was no leveling system per se, but actually you were looking to improve your power level. You had 400 little nodes in this massive tree, which sounds and is a lot. And with each node you'd, you, you would activate, you would improve your power level by one. So, yeah, power level. I, so I guess, yeah, I guess it was kind of a leveling system either way. Uh, but because of the immense variety in this tree, you could focus on improving more of your combat skills, your stealth or your ranged prowess. And that, that was nice. But um, after getting all 400 power points, you, you kind of see it as this enormous, meaningless group of nodes, most of which, which just upgraded your light attacks by a small statistical number, for example, or your poison resistance, while others did have a much bigger impact on the gameplay. So I'm a bit torn on the skill tree. But I can say it's better than than I was expecting. I thought it was gonna um, follow the the skill tree from Assassin's Creed Odyssey, which was a bit not overwhelming. Let's say underwhelming. <laughs> um, the last thing I want to say about combat is that the enemy AI sometimes felt dumb, sloppy, and sleepy. I'm sure it's really hard to create a compelling enemy AI system, but if they didn't add that much um, enemy variety to the game, there would be no improvement from Odyssey, I would say. A few minutes ago, I was talking about gear and weapons, so let's quickly go into customization, which really divided my opinion into two. On the one hand, the character model part of the customization in this game is really fun. Even though I want more hair and beard styles to choose from and less tattoos that look kind of similar to each other. But on the other hand, the gear and weapons side of it fell a bit short. I am a huge fan of how they handled weapons and gear in comparison to Odyssey, where we, you'd have dozens of the same item at different levels and here there is no two weapons or pieces of clothing that are the same. That was very innovative for the franchise after Origins, but there were a 
few problems with the system that I just cannot let go. Even though some of them might get a fix soon. First of all, there is no visual customization added to the game. Uh, what I mean is item A looks like item A, it cannot look like item B. And that is really grounded for a game that has me shooting 20 arrows at the same time. But Ubisoft added this feature to Odyssey. And it's really handy because some of some gear just doesn't look subjectively good and another one looks better even though the stats on that one are, are less appealing. But it, so giving us the choice to visually change it is a great bonus which many fans have already requested. Secondly, and this really pisses me off, there is no sorting system whatsoever in the weapons menu. I cannot sort my weapons by type, by rarity, level, anything. And by type would, would be really damn handy. And kind of a basic thing to, do, to, to have, don't you think? Also, there is no way to hide an item. Like, if I don't want to use that axe or that shield, like, ever, there is no way for me to temporarily conceal it, which is really dumb. I just... why? And the addition of runes is alright, but not letting me transfer the runes I have on, on one weapon or gear to another I want to use now is infuriating... infuriating! <laughs> As I need to go to the runes submenu and find the runes again and that menu is also not organized. I mean, what the hell? It's so stupid. You know? And in terms of the, of the clothing gear, which is divided into cloaks, helmets, uh, torso pants and bracers, there is no way for me to put on one gear set in one click. I have to tap on the five different body sections and select each piece from an unassorted um, unsorted menu too and because there are only sets of gear and not like um, like an individual helmet attached to no set piece or a cloak or something it feels unnatural to select different gear pieces from different sets mixing those together so I don't I don't do it and I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I would like to um, I would like to have less established gear sets and more individual pieces. That's just my opinion, of course. Um, and I think I think some of these issues can be easily fixed, but a patch hasn't come yet to solve them, and I have finished the main game, and I won't be playing that much of Valhalla in the coming months, so when that fix comes, it won't be enjoyed by me, which is sad. And again, it's probably so easy to fix these or to have these features. Anyway, moving on to stealth and parkour. Two key elements of any Assassin's Creed game that were almost completely disregarded in the last few games. And I think, yeah, they tried to, sh they tried to show up again, <laughs> parkour and stealth, it, here in Valhalla. I say try because it does get better, but not substantially. There are a couple of fun, challenging parkour puzzles around 
But the feel of running and the feel of climbing has been lost since Assassin's Creed Syndicate, in my opinion. Now that we can practically climb everything, and running seems to be such a hard activity to do. I think I think I saw in a video that, or like a, a, um, a website that Avor is the sl slowest assassin yet, which is what was it, it was surprising to me. But yeah, it, like running feels like it takes so much effort. Anyway, but I, I I applaud Ubisoft for doing better than in the last game, as some stealth elements make a return and others are introduced. The problem, though, is that taking a stealthy approach doesn't feel like the right way when you're a Viking, and also the opportunities themselves that the game the game presents are but a few and not that common. So I'm still hoping I'm. I'm still waiting for an Assassin's Creed game that forces me to use melee as a last resort. That is the dream. That is the way. You know, that is that, that's what I want from an Assassin's Creed game because here I I almost always chose to be to be a viking instead of a, an assassin because Eivor would choose to do that and I always play um I will always play with with that in mind, what would the character do, do and not what would I do? What would the character, this character do? So that's how I played. Next up, the Norse mythology influence in the story and the characters. I love it. I love it, love it, love it when religion and beliefs play a big part in the game's world, even though I'm not really religious. Um, but this is because I, I think it makes the characters follow a certain innate order or set of rules and everything they do is aligned to what they believe in and here with the vikings heavily living by odin's laws following following the norse stories and lessons you get a sense of how religion can either better one's life or how it can lead to one it can lead someone to see the world through a narrow hole and both these things happen along the story. And I'm happy we, we got to learn more about the Norse gods and this lore and the explore, exploration of the mythical realms of Asgard and Jotunheim themselves through the consumption of a, a potion brewed by our settlement's seer, which was fascinating. And the way it ties into the main story was wild and shocking. I really enjoyed that arc because even though it felt like a parallel, a parallel story to the main one, it was very much connected to it in ways I wasn't expecting until I reached the end, of course. So yeah, really enjoyed that. Okay, now for Assassins v Templars storyline, which is really Hidden Ones v Order of the Ancients in this game still, like it was in Origins. Um, I was a bit disappointed. Because once again, we had this web of agents of the order and to take out, and you'd have to follow some clues and kill some of them to find the rest. And that part is cool. I think, I think it's really interesting, uh, interesting of a concept. But only a few of them, only a few, and there were like 40 in total, only a few were memorable. Only a few, like three or four, had an impact on the main story. The rest had these um, death 
confession corridor scenes, vintage in the Assassin's Creed franchise, but with little to add, in my opinion. I think that the concept of finding out who is the Grand Master by eliminating his officers and their officers is very interesting, but when this is not fueled by the main storyline, it becomes a bit of a tease and kind of sub-standard, I think. Anyway, to finish the non-spoiler section, let me comment rapidly on some other things I haven't yet uh, discussed. The longship, as a way of traversal exploration, was enticing at first, but I found myself choosing to run or horse ride to a location more often than jumping on my ship and sailing the rivers. And most of that is due to the fact that there are more rivers than seas. So why sail through a narrow body of water when I can swim to the other side in less than 30 seconds? Really a shame that the longship wasn't, uh, the longship use wasn't forced on us, just uh, notch more. The animus anomal anomalies that were spread across the map were not only great parkour challenges, but also a trip down memory lane, as they were very similar to the glyph puzzles of AC2, which were so fun to find and piece together. And now for some negative points. Hey guys, just a quick heads up. I changed the location, the space in which I record my episodes uh, just now. So the um, sound quality of the next few, the next 10, 12 minutes of the episode might be a bit different, but hopefully you can still hear me fine. The change is not too outlandish, but I thought I would let you know either way. So yeah, enjoy the rest of the episode. The loading screens on the PS4, at least, are so freaking long, it's insane. Especially when you start the game, oh, it really bugged me, but not as much as the abundance of glitches that flooded the main story and the side exploration in equal parts. My game crashed like pff, 10 times or more in the last two months. I had to endure weird, inexplicable glitches probably three times in each playthrough. And I would say that in this regard, this game did worse than Unity, which is famous for its bugs. I just think that because it impacted on the gameplay and the story mission so much, it was annoying and distracting to have to restart the game just so I could collect a piece of wealth that I should have collected the first time, and it's just irritating. I don't know, but um, but one of the most pleasant things about this game is the fact that it's the connective tissue between almost all of the AC games that came before, and... Okay, because I really want to go into each link, let us go into spoiler territory in 3, 2, 1... You've been warned. I'll try not to give major story spoilers, but I won't promise it because the level of spoiling is subjective to each of you. So someone might think information X is very spoilery, but another person might see no issue in me divulging such data. So either way, here come some spoilers. 
I'll start with the, the obvious story connections to the past Assassin's Creed games. Regarding the timeline, Valhalla comes after Origins, where the Hidden Ones Order was created, and before, two centuries before, the very first game where the group was finally called the Assassins Creed. Bassem and Hytham were both stationed in Constantinople, where Assassin's Creed Revelations took place, the last game in the Ezio trilogy, and Hytham is even suggested to have inspired future assassin Edward Kenway to call his son Hytham. At least it's suggested that through a document in the present day. In one section of the game, Eivor comes into contact with the crystal ball that shows up in Assassin's Creed 3, that being a piece of Eden that gives their wielders knowledge about the first civilization. And this was by far the most surprising connection in the game. And because, yeah, I was not expecting it as we went to Vinland, um, which was another region, smaller region, to explore this which, from my perspective, was really close to the birthplace of Radonia Geden, uh, known also as Connor Kenway. Another obvious uh, connection is to Assassin's Creed Odyssey, the last game, in which Layla Hassan, the present-day protagonist, becomes the wielder of Hermes's Staff of Eden, which plays a big part in the endgame of this Assassin's Creed. There were perhaps more connections around around there that I could not find um, to the connections to Assassin's Creed Rogue, Unity and Syndicate, as well as more to Ezio's games, but I think these many connections and implications for the franchise were simply phenomenal. And that final sequence oh, of the game. It just blew my freaking mind. What plot twist they threw at us with Bassem playing a much more important role than I that I than I'd imagined. Honestly, I would have never ever predicted what they did and I won't go into greater details besides saying that we'll see more of Bassem in the future of Assassin's Creed in a very surprising manner. And yeah, it was just insane like it was really one of the most memorable finales of of any ac uh, game the way they explain why eivor has visions of asgard was quite shocking and beautifully crafted one of the highlights of the game without a doubt the interrelation that um, they explored in those final moments tapping into so many different assassin's creed lore and events was amazing such a bold move to have to have done what they did in the, in the present day uh, with the character of Layla kind of well having her final um, let's say presence in an Assassin's Creed game <laughs> that connected to the last time we saw Desmond as well in AC3 I won't go into more spoilers, but it, whew, it was breathtaking, amazing, insane. I loved it. Uh, <laughs> it raised also so many more questions than it 
answered other ones um, because now hopefully um, some of them are not fully answered in the DLC I want them to be answered in a future game a full game now there's so many possibilities to tackle from here um, with what they've done and there's this whole idea with reincarnation that they played with akin to the character of Sage that first appeared in Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag and then in Unity so I guess maybe there was a connection there I am not sure I think I don't think the fans are very are um, got enough clarification about that but yeah I won't spoil it more um, but I think that what they did was so interesting and it kind of hinted at present-day implications um, besides what I what I've already said or, or teased so let's say we will have maybe some comebacks some very exciting comebacks uh, in present day for either future games or the DLC I'm hoping for the former because I think there's a lot of potential now for a, a very focused assassin v Templar storyline um, in a future game hopefully this year 2021 we will get it instead of having a two-year break but we'll have to wait at least for me that's um, that's where my mind went really to thinking about this stat like they established this so maybe this and this and this will happen maybe a B and C can exist now so maybe the future the next game will tackle those issues those events um i don't know what's the plan guys what's the plan ubisoft <laughs> please give us a tease um hopefully in may or june we might get news on if we will have another ac game this year because ac valhalla was teased i believe april or beginning of may of 2020 to 2020 um and their DLC slash future um, content uh, program I think will it will span until the end of this year or even after that yeah they have huge plans for DL for other content uh, with like exploration of France of Paris and I believe I think I'm not mistaken in saying Ireland yeah yeah I think it's not Scotland yeah it's Ireland for sure so we'll, we'll see what they do i'm really interested now uh but i guess i guess we'll have to wait and see um to learn more about what's next for assassin's creed but i think they they did a good job at setting up um like setting up a, a return to the to the original sense the feeling of being an assassin that fight against the Templars I think they set up a, a return to the to normal AC and not RPG assassins RPG pseudo Assassin's Creed games so some final com comments on Assassin's Creed Valhalla it definitely delivered on the writing the world building and the characters the story is a slow burn but by the end you are shocked at what you've discovered the and the exploration just makes makes you spend over a hundred hours examining every corner of England and Norway and 
Eivor is a very charismatic, honorable, and sensible protagonist that proves to be worthy of the title of assassin, or hidden one, even if, by the end, his Viking nature will always come first. And that's okay. However, the franchise must strive to get quality over quantity content, because although Valhalla was much better in this regard than Odyssey, there were lots and lots of things to do and get too many sometimes, which can make it awfully repetitive and meaningless, not to mention, not to mention the sheer amount of micro transactions Ubisoft just keeps on pushing towards us that we simply do not want. Thank you. Nevertheless, Assassin's Creed Valhalla was a great, pleasant, unexpected gaming experience, and it will be perhaps the game that I put more hours into until the day I lose synchronization. And we have reached the end of this episode, guys. Thank you for listening in. If you have any friends who are fans of the Assassin's Creed franchise, as I am, consider sharing this with them. I'd really appreciate it. And in a couple of days, I'll be doing a ranking of all 12 main AC games. So if you enjoyed this one, keep an ear open for that episode. Until then, this has been just one more opinion. I've been Charlie, and you have been awesome. Take care and goodbye.